This episode of Friends of Flow is brought to you by NCLEX Mastery. If you're a nursing student and you're about to take your NCLEX, you need to go to the App Store right now and download NCLEX Mastery. Welcome back. This is another episode of Friends of Flow, Friends of Florence Nightingale. My name is Tess Judge Ellis. Hi, Tess. This is Andy Witters here. Hi, Andy and Tessie. This is Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Nice to see you guys again. Good to see you guys. We're back. I know. It's good to see you. Mm-hmm. So, Thanks. Tessie, you have a paper that was published called Time and NP Practice, mm-hmm. Naming, Claiming, and Explaining a Role of Nurse Practitioners. Yes. Where did that come yes. from? Where did the idea come from? It, thanks. It's, um, it is, um, first it was published in the Journal of Nursing, Nurse Practitioners, Journal for Nurse Practitioners last October. And it was, I'll tell you, this is a thing is a lot of people have a lot of, it's a think about it piece. It's a thought piece, a scholarly written thought piece. And it came from the idea about time. Like, what is it that you do in there? So we open the paper with three quotes, which is, um, you take too much time. And that is from maybe a practice administrator or a colleague standpoint. And then the patient saying, I'm so glad to, I, I see you take so much time with me. And then the last statement is, I wish I had more time with people. And so then I started to look at, well, what does time mean with nurse practitioners? And so that's kind of where we got moving and, and with the paper. And it's always... Always, I think my goal is to bring people back to what really is nursing and moving into being an advanced practice nursing. And in this era where we're still trying to figure out what it means to care for patients, but yet in a, and frankly, a business that's fee for service, or as I like to say, widgets on a, you know, a assembly line. Mm -hmm. And so that's where this paper was born from. So, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you and I have talked a lot about over oh my the gosh. years, mm-hmm. decades, about, mm-hmm. about nurse practitioners and what happens to the nurse part of practitioner when you're working alongside a host of physicians. And I watched them at my hospital where I work, and the nurse practitioners are right in there with the medical model. And I'm always wondering... How do they present themselves into the patients as something different than right? Um, well, mm-hmm. You know, well, and that's was part of the the you know article was how do you name how do you claim how do you name what you do as nursing and how especially in today's society and how do you claim the resources you need in order to practice and how do you explain it to people why it is that what you're doing. And so, and it is, you know, Rebecca and I, you and I share this crazy love for nursing theory and, and, you know, the nursing scholars of the day. And so, you know, one of the things that we did with the paper then that I took was going to, I came across the American Association of Nurse Practitioners actually has a definition on their website um, or an explanation on what makes nurse practitioners unique. And so part of what we did in the paper was to unpack that. And so I'm going to quote right from the website. What sets NPs apart from other healthcare providers is their unique com- emphasis on the health and well-being of the whole person with a focus on health promotion, disease prevention, and health education and counseling. NPs guide patients in making smarter health and lifestyle choices, which in turn can lower patients' out-of-pocket costs. And that's our professional organization that says that. So so how, how does that translate into nurse practitioners in a wide variety of settings? 
So sure. I get that in primary care. I used right. to do primary right. care when I was an NP, um, and that fit really well. But when I was an NP in acute care, that that was more challenging. And Andy, what do you you know? Where are you on this? Yeah. So so first of all, I I think that's holistic care, right? I mean that this this is this is mm-hmm. a definition of holistic care. This is this is our professional identity that we don't look at someone just as a disease diagnosis, but we look at them as a person with right. uh, nearly endless variables that make up their entire person, including their their problems. And and for me, coming from a specialty world, I was in vascular and thoracic surgery for the better part of 10 years. If I saw someone with heart disease, chances are they, they probably had hypertension. They probably had hypercholesterolemia. Even though they might not be... Uh, in their record coming to me, you can ask those questions. You can do uh, a record search, understanding like what those variables are all about. And then seeing, of course, if they're, if they're well controlled, um, asking the patient uh, about their primary care concerns and how it innervates into their, their specialty uh, form of care, whatever they're, whatever they're seeing you for. And so uh, I think that's, I like that. Yeah. I think that's well I do. I think that the um nurses are nurse practitioners and nursing in general is interested in the lived experience of what goes on with people and helping them move towards a better way of living with health and illness related issues, right? Absolutely. So in order to do that, you have to understand the whole person, right? And what what makes them what makes up them up with with who they are. So when I think I talk to, I think it's really hard in an acute setting, you know, how you do that. But I think you, that extends maybe then to how you interact with the entire team. Do you know the relationships with the team is probably different for a nurse practitioner than not. But I guess in just drawing back to what you were talking about, when I talked to about like, what's the difference between an NP and a PA or NP and physician education models? And all of us were registered nurses or currently are registered nurses. You are nurses, a registered right. nurse. You have to be right. an RN to become an NP. Yes. Right. And and you have to maintain it as you practice. Whatever age you were when you started, you did care plans that said, my person is a biopsychosocial, spiritual, cultural person. We had to assess the person from like their In roles. context of how yes. they're living their mm-hmm. life. And what are their roles? What's their educational level? What's their socioeconomic status? How do they go through and live their disease, their lives? And then we said, oh, now it hap- Now the disease happens to that person versus medicine, whose specialty is the disease at the cellular level and, you know, even molecular level. And they specialize in that and then they dissect it from and the pathology. And, and that's where they spend their undergrad years and whatever, and then their medical school years. And then they say, okay, a person happened to this. So oh, that's right. a really yeah. good. So yeah. you know, yeah. a person happened to the diabetes. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that's how you get the eighty-year-old diabetic who happens to be a person somewhere in there instead right. of a person who happened who's eighty-one years old who happens to have diabetes. Right, right. and I think so. I, and we need both, right? We need we need all we hands need on deck. Yes, but as the system defines us by our. Um, ability to diagnose and treat, which is a fee-for-service model and moves us in a really, you know, um, right along the way, you know, arguing for time is 
is hard because how does that make a difference, right? So and are so, the outcomes, you know, everybody, reimbursement is always focused on patient outcome, patient satisfaction, and patient outcomes. Right. Value-based care is different than fee-for-service. Value-based care is wrapping around, and that's the contention and the argument, the, is that especially when you look at the definition of, of, and nurse practitioners guide people, you can't guide someone without a relationship. Sure. And people just don't make changes. A lot of them do just because a doctor says do this, but mostly it's a guiding relationship. And I think, um, you know, what really hit home to me, a couple things when I was a baby nurse practitioner, I was at the, um, a free medical clinic and I apologized to the receptionist and I said, Oh, you know, the medical students, the doctors are going so much faster than I am. And she said, Tess, I don't know why you worry about that. You you do more than they do in the visit. And I thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Someone valued something more than just the diagnosis that I was making. And yeah. it was the receptionist who said, you do more in the time that you're with them. Well, I wouldn't, Isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about on our previous podcast about trust. Oh, yeah. And um, nurses are the most trusted profession in the, repeatedly in the Gallup poll every year. And we talked about this an, another time. And I think that that's one of the reasons people value NPs is because they see that nurse part. They're not so hooked on to the practitioner part, but they're hooked on the nurse part. You hope so. I think some people more and more are seeking out the nurse practitioner, but the so, you know, a lot of it, though, you're, stream, you're swimming upstream in a system that's saying, calling you either a mid-level or a physician extender. Oh, those you're, are fighting words. They are, and they, but it's uh, what they use. And you're swimming right. upstream when you say, actually, I, I do a little different practice and I need more time to and do I'm that. And that, that will make it. Mm-hmm. You have to be so clear that I, um, I, got a, I didn't get a job one time. <laughs> a long time ago, I have a little story. Um, a physician phoned. I had applied for a job, and this physician phoned me uh, for a phone interview, and he said, well, I'm looking for a physician extender. And I said, well, <laughs> I think you'll find that person in the hamburger aisle, hamburger helper <laughs> aisle in your local grocery store if you want an expert nurse with many years of expertise in nursing and now graduate-level education in nursing um, who can collaborate with you and work alongside you in a collaborative way. You, I'm your woman, but um, until then, I think you better go to the hamburger helper. I, I didn't get the job. I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear that uh, vernacular in the professional setting, I immediately think of it as an opportunity uh, to educate whoever it is I'm talking to. Typically, it's it's an administrator. That is a very much an administrator term, yeah, for sure, and same as mid level. So, too, so, so, so mm-hmm. when I hear physician extender or mid level, mid level, which is that that just drives me crazy because what what is a mid level? I mean, like that, that I just I, I don't I don't get it. Like I, I know I, I always would tell them there's nothing mid level about me. I'm an expert nurse. By the yeah, time I got yeah, to be exactly. a nurse practitioner with a few years under my belt, I was an expert at what I was doing. And and so there's nothing mid about me. But those are great ways to explain, like, hey, I'm a nurse practitioner. This is what I do. This is what I'm all about. This is my 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 general theory and approach. Well, to right. Care. And this is we say I take time. You know, I'm more than that. My practice is different, right? I take time because my assessment's focused on the whole person, and that whole person is complex. And at times, the assessment does take more time 
The care I provide goes beyond a prescription or ordering a test and includes the development of a relationship with the patient so we can work together on health goals. So one of the things I really liked about your paper, Tess, yes? was the elevator talk. Yeah, the elevator. Mm-hmm. So Putting something so, together, and it yeah, is. Yeah, you have mm-hmm, to have mm-hmm. something together. People ask me about what I do, because I'm not a nurse practitioner anymore, um, what I do, and, and I have to have that down in five seconds. This is what I do. And, and I think, you know, when you've got that administrator and you've got them for 30 seconds deciding whether to hire you or not or whether whatever it is that you're going to do, you've got to have that elevator talk down. And it has to reflect your own theory of nursing. There we yeah. go, Tess. And your philosophy of you practice. Do. Yep. What, yep. T- Andrew is laughing over there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It looks like we're time for a break. Time for a break. Here at NCLEX Mastery, we love nurses and especially nursing students, but we need your feedback about this podcast. If you have ideas on topics or you have questions you want us to answer, shoot us a message, leave a comment, go to our Facebook page and just tell us what you think because we want to help you in the most specific way that you need that help. Thank you so much. We're back with Friends of Flow. This is Tess, Judge Ellis. This is Andy Witters. And Rebecca Porter. Okay, Andrew, you had a question. Tess, yeah. I, like, I, I wanted to go back to what you said about the process of education. Yes. The differences between the classic MD, DO, PA, and then the MP. Yes. MPs are rooted in a nursing experience. All right? It starts at, even at the, 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 the two-year college level. We're exposed to patients. Even as right. a nursing assistant, right. every way down there, you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we are exposed at at a uh, arguably a, a young time throughout the course of uh, of the profession, um, even a young age. All right, and we understand what it means to communicate with a person, see a person, uh, and see them as such, not just as a disease process. Well, it's not even just how we see or it's our clinical experiences, but also our educational model Right, is a holistic care plan, right? You have to have a yes. care plan that addresses the biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, all of those modalities of a person. And you have to understand that. And then you weave in the disease process and your care plan is then holistic. And that's, you, and that is embedded in nursing education. That's the philosophy underpinnings and all of that tied to then the patient relationship. So that's the nurse patient relationship. So all of that, that is just steeped into our professional and I think underpinnings. That, and we bring that to our advanced practice role. Absolutely. Medicine is tie is well, well educated in cellular, you know, all of that. They look at a disease. They the understand it. They model. pick it. They do. They pick it apart from a science standpoint to the disease to understand the pathophys, the modalities of treatment, and all about that. And then it happens to a person. Totally different. There's tons of overlap. But and the, we're educated at the bedside, sure. um, and in the community, sure. which is a very different at model. At the beginning, right? At the very mm-hmm. beginning, very from yes. the very right. first day. And that they're, you're they're doing a good school. job in some schools bringing medicine and mm-hmm. and on board, but it's. But it's still a very different paradigmatic, different uh, paradigmatic shift to be educated as a nurse practitioner. Well, I think I think it's interesting too, just given the MD model of education is is largely uh, unchanged um, uh, in the course of 
of uh, since its inception, you know, right. 100 plus years ago. I mean, so so that I think that's just an interesting. Well, one thing they've done is reduce the hours. Anyway, it's but a, it's evolving. Yeah, yeah. And it's, oh, it, and it, it's, it is evolving. We're not, edu- yeah. we're not I'm experts not, I'm not, on, I'm not. on medical education either. No, so no, that's we're not, a, and I'm um, not here to bash on any no, of my uh, of, of the MD. <laughs> no, the MD uh, uh, way of life or uh, or no, or but the, I'll the tell you what it. Of, I'll tell you what it does though is it provides a place for argument against the nurse practitioner and this is this is where they get into a little trouble and where nurses cannot nurse practitioners cannot hang their hat on how many years I was a nurse or anything like that because physicians will always have more um, credit hours right mm-hmm. they'll always have more time in residency programs and they'll say they have lots more time in school all these different hours so Compared to nurse practitioners That's and compared empirical. to PAs, it, it's measurable. It is, but when you yeah. when you you can you'll never as a nurse practitioner win that argument. But what you will win on is outcomes. Sure. And for thirty five, forty years, study after study after study, if you comp- there's no evidence that in fact everything shows that nurse practitioner to physician outcomes is comparable at times better and patient satisfaction is very high, if not better with nurse practitioners. So you can only, um, know a lot. I mean, you have to have your knowledge base as power and then know the outcomes. Don't engage in an argument on educational models necessarily or that, or that. And I think you have to be very well versed and as Tess said, not to hang your hat on anything here. Um, but to be really well-versed and ready about the outcomes of your patient group and um, and how you the value-based care and your patient satisfaction. Yes. Um, the American Medical Association put out their, what's it called, Resolution 214. You might want to Google that. Um, they're trying to limit nurse practitioners. Continuing to try. I mean, they, right. they make an overt statement. Yep, know? yep, to limit the scope of practice of APRNs. And they um, have a look at the American Nurse Association response to that resolution um, because it's a very forthright statement in which the president of the um, ANA talks about uh, we have to be very careful about addressing how how the AMA is perpetuating the dangerous and erroneous narrative that APRNs are trying to act as physicians and I'm quoting here, are unqualified to provide timely, effective, and efficient care. And I think it's really important, and based on your paper test, that we are saying that we are not practicing medicine. We're practicing nursing. And that's what's really important to say. And and we regularly, as they said at the ANA, um, consulting, collaborating, and referring to physicians as we see fit and as is necessary. So I think it's really important to be able to say, and in response to challenges, that we respond that we are not practicing medicine. We do not have a, a medical license. We have a nursing license. And well, then you point, point, point people back to the AAMP statement, we're unique providers for a certain reason. And that we consult and we collaborate, and it is a team-based model. And I think one of the really important things is when you're talking to your physician colleagues is to, when they say we're a team, is to ask them who is on their team. Is it a group of physicians? Or or does it include you and physical therapy and dietary and everybody else? And to take that a step further, I like to say our team leader is our patient. 
you know, the really that, 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 that's who we're advocating Wouldn't that be lovely? for. Right. You know? Well, I mean, I think and that so, the system doesn't always, they say patient. I think people try to do patient centered care and nurses have to be at the heart of that. Well, n- nurses have to be the, I think that the, the biggest advocates on that team. I mean, it's, it's like, we're the, like the, re- the reminders I, uh, in, in my experience. And, and that, that, that's a, just an important aspect to a, a team-based model of care. The other thing that I found in this, in doing the research for this paper was, um, of course, you know, Rebecca, we go back and forth to nursing theory, right? So looking at that nurse-patient relationship and back in, um, it was really reassuring to me that now relationship seems to be a real cornerstone to linking together all the other meta concepts in nurse practitioner in nursing theory, all the other meta concepts in nursing theory. And they say that it's almost like it's that the nurse patient relationship unites the practice of nursing. And because nursing actions occur within the context of a unified relationship, I'm quoting from um, Margaret Newman and and, one of my favorites, mm -hmm. Uh, that commitment is to caring relationship focused on understanding the meaning of the current situation for the people involved, right? The meaning for the situation of them involved and appreciating the pattern of evolving forces, shaping help so that appropriate actions can be realized. So it right? goes right to my favorite book What's of that? health as evolving consciousness. Sure. You know, I want to make sure I have that citation for anybody who's interested in that Newman article. It's Newman. It's in ANS Advance in Nursing Science 2008, The Focus of the Discipline Revisited. Anyway, it's a good, um, it's a, if you're a, a bit of a theory nerd and really want us to be able to explain what we do is, that's different related to the big thinkers in nursing, which are our high-level nurse scientists and nurse thinkers, then we have to go there every once in a while and pull out their concepts. And when you think about it, and we're, we're doing some work in looking at surgical nurses. The What is the thing that unites the surgical nurse and the geriatric nurse practitioner and the psychiatric nurse and the neonatal nurse that we all have in common is the care for the patient. That nurse-patient relationship is the uniting force. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So. Couldn't have said it better, Tess. There you go. So how do you get the resources? You have to try to claim the resources for what you need is more time. And then I think... Nurse practitioner, this is really where I need to give a, th- a shout out to Thad Wilson, who is a co-author. When you go to write a paper and you get stuck in the weeds, you have to know the right person to talk to. And Rebecca was really helpful with edits on the paper, too. Thank you, Tess. Yeah. It was really fun to read because it was, I just remember you and I having those conversations at the gym together mm-hmm. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. talking about what we were doing as NPs. Yep. Yep. Mm. And so nursing I- theory. I'm glad we had the. Do you guys have any more questions? Or I mean, we could go on and on what about, about this billing subject. for time. I mean, I, I, billing for time. There, there yes, time, of there, course. There are times I bill for time mm-hmm. based on the counseling that I'm providing to my patients. And I think so. I think what we're really missing, though, right now, is an opportunity to show the value of that over time. Sure. You know, is I you think have to is, look at money saved. Well, absolutely, outcomes have to be high, and a cost has to be important. And I think so. Then sometimes I really think that how we choose to use the nurse practitioner on a team is going to be looking at the really um, co- the patients who are very costly, you know, yes. to the system. Because I think that if you are coming in with a sore throat or a cough or something like that, of course, um, you might not need to see the nurse practitioner expert, right? It's, you see a nurse practitioner, but I mean, the ones where I really think 
in a, a team it's where nursing is going to be really essential. Advanced practice nursing in population health is going to be in the really, yeah, the really um, vulnerable patients, you know, the elderly with chronic diseases, I think the advanced practice nurse, but we have to, if we're going to bill on time and on those value-based outcomes, we have to keep really good data. And this is where I hope so, that and one of the, and one of those, the one of those data variables might be decreasing hospital admissions for sure for, for hospital admission. And, and those, mm-hmm. those are, well, and they're out there already. Some of those are out there sure. already, but they're, how they're, can they're you difficult link, to track. Well, and how do you link actions? And this goes into documentation of time spent so how do you link nursing actions? Like if you're spending, Andrew, two hours with one patient for, and then an hour over the next, and you're talking to staff and all of that, how does that, how do you get paid for that time when we're on a fee-for-service model? Yeah. And so how do you, and in fact, you know you're saving money, otherwise they wouldn't be having you do these jobs. You know you're saving money. How do we show that then to the payers and then get a cut of that to keep building on things? Because if medicine could have solved the high cost of medicine, you know, and interventions and the, by just medications and surgeries. And, and, you know, we wouldn't have the health problems that we have now. So nursing can have a lot of opportunity to help out with the solutions there. I, I do think that nurses tend to focus on primary care and preventative health that sometimes, sometimes that's a other, unique emphasis. It is of nurse practitioners. It's really important in vulnerable populations. When you think about the economically, Challenged people, For sure. Um, people who do not have health care insurance. Absolutely. Um, there's so many opportunities to to be there and to do good work. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and I also think in the, I mean, the primary care vulnerable, and then the vulnerable populations in the inpatient settings too. I think that sometimes, I bet you on some people that are on certain inpatient units that are working, and we can talk about to these people later, but I bet you there's some hospital systems that are saying these people are so complex socially, they need the nurse practitioner there on that team, most especially, right? I mean, anyway, so I think that it's, you know, we've had these 50 years of nurse practitioner education and a model, and they've proven that we're, in fact, you know, worthwhile on par. I think the next 50 years is going to be demonstrating the value of the nurse component to nurse practitioners. And so, but the system isn't, is kind of starting, but it's really small. This is where I think nurse practitioners have a real great opportunity. Tess, when you're talking to your, to your students and sending them out into the world to set up their own practice or to find a practice to join, what's your best piece of advice to them about um, A, presenting themselves as a nurse practitioner and B, um, documenting what they do so that you can show the value of the work that they do. I think the best thing, what I say is to, first of all, know what you're doing and why you're doing it as a nurse. So understand what are your core values in nursing, um, relationship, how are you going about documenting a holistic assessment, um, uh, what's your philosophy of nursing? What is your philosophy? And then not being afraid to share that and uh, with anybody with administration. And this is why I need uh, 45 minutes for a well woman exam or whatever you need is because I'm developing relationships that over time I know are going to enhance this practice and save outcome, save money. And maybe when the next value-based opportunity comes along, you'll keep me in mind because I'm really interested in value-based care, not just fee-for-service. I mean, I can 
diagnose your strep throat with the best of them. And at the same time, I think we can really build relationships along in long run. And I think it's really important. My best advice would be to sit down and actually write down your philosophy of practice. That's it, the next it, paper to write, Rebecca. Yep. What is your philosophy of nursing? And just to be able to write that down and keep it in mind. You don't have to share it with anybody, but it will inform how you relate to your patients and how you relate to the other people that you are working with. Mm-hmm. It's a good time going into the business right now. It's a good time. It's ch- it's chaotic, but there's lots of opportunities. Is there ever? All right. Well, that's Friends of Flow. We're going to sign off, I guess. Take care, everybody. Yeah, keep your eye on the patient. All right. Innovate, agitate, educate. Here at NCLEX Mastery, we love nurses and especially nursing students, but we need your feedback about this podcast. If you have ideas on topics or you have questions you want us to answer, shoot us a message, leave a comment, go to our Facebook page and just tell us what you think because we want to help you in the most specific way that you need that help. Thank you so much.